This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, The Most Eligible Bride in London by Ella Quinn. From USA Today bestselling author Ella Quinn comes this humor-infused Regency romance that's perfect for Bridgerton lovers. The third book in her charming Lords of London series, this book follows the story of Nathaniel, Viscount Fotherby, a former rogue looking to redeem his reputation after a terrible mistake, who falls for the sister of the woman he once wronged. You see, Miss Henrietta Stern has beauty, connections, a sizable dowry, and plenty of admirers. But no other suitor makes her heart race like Nate does. But his mistake almost cost Henrietta's sister her reputation. Nate has been trying to make amends ever since, leaving behind his self-centered ways. But Henrietta's family may never forgive him. Her heart insists Nate has changed for the better. But can a scoundrel possibly prove himself to be the perfect husband? You can find The Most Eligible Bride in London by Ella Quinn wherever books are sold. Find more at kensingtonbooks.com. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kind of Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is, are you actually being gaslit? Let's find out. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kinda Dating. Finding a lasting connection seems to elude most of us. It feels like everyone out there, we date either ghosts or breadcrumbs or gaslights or love bombs or is straight up a fucking narcissist. Do normal people even exist anymore? But what if none of that is actually happening to you? What if it's a buzzword we heard and it doesn't actually apply? What if everything we thought about that fuck person was wrong? Insert mind-blown emoji. That's what this episode's about, guys. But before we jump into it, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it and tell your friends to subscribe also. Um, and do us a solid if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star rating or review wherever you get this podcast. And also uh, follow us on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. Aisha's not here with us, but she is at Aisha Says Dance across the board. And I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Okay, we have an awesome guest and she's back. She's a cognitive behavioral psychologist who specializes in attachment therapy, Dr. Diane Strakowski. Hello, welcome back. Hi, Natasha. Thank you for having me. So good to see you again. It is a long time no see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the last episode, we touched on a couple of things. You are married. You've been hitched for 12 years. You uh, specialize in attachment theory. And it was partially because of some of the things you went through, right? Absolutely. God, I uh, i mean, I've had it all. I've been engaged. I was cheated on. I dated many people. I've been loved bombed. Um, I can't say I've ever been gaslit, but I know plenty of narcissists. 
And I just love helping people understand these terms in modern dating because sometimes um, I'm a real stickler for this on my Instagram page. I just want to make sure we're using them correctly. We got to get our terms. You hear this a lot, right? Like everybody's always like they go on a bad date and then they come back and they're like, he was a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) And of course the ghosting one, I think everybody feels like they got ghosted ghosting may be a little more on the nose, right? People either are or they aren't ghosted, but I don't know. You correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But do you feel like you must hear so many clients? Do you feel like everyone feels like they're going through one of the things that we mentioned? Absolutely. And it's almost like you're searching for a term to just connect us all. But even the term ghosting we're using incorrectly. I mean, ghosting, the original terminology was that you had a full-blown relationship, not you went on one date, that you were in a full-blown relationship and this person refused to communicate with you. Disappeared like a Casper the ghost and you have no information, no feedback whatsoever. That's what the term originally meant. And so when people use it now, like casually, oh, we ghosted me, you, you had no, one date. There was no commitment. There was no expectation. You ended the relationship. They didn't want to see you. So they fell away. They weren't interested. But that's not ghosting. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing to know because if we take that into context of all the people I've ever known and all the stories I've ever heard about ghosting, which is like every every other story. Yeah. I actually then only know, and I don't even know the person personally, one person who has actually been ghosted, who was dating somebody for like four years. Yep. And the guy just disappeared on her. Yep. Yep. And and so here's the thing. What worries me, Natasha, is if we do use these terms too loosely, then it just creates more anxiety in the dating culture. And so now not only am I worried that I'm going to be used by an F boy, I'm worried that I'm going to get ghosted. And I'm now looking for that behavior and we need to have just better communication for it to be okay to just say, not every person's going to be my match. I mean, you must hate them because, you know, every year uh, all the magazines come out and uh, and we've done we did an episode on this recently of um, the dating trends for every year. So dating trends of 22 and they come up with terms like, oh, now you're hesitating. And then sometimes it's like you're being haunted. Um, I think last year it was roaching uh, and it's zombie. Yeah. You're being cushioned. I've heard it all. I mean, seriously. I, yeah. Cuffing. All of those. Yeah. That's got to annoy the heck out of you. It does because we have to also realize, let's keep the terms for what it is. Because people who have, again, back to your point, if you've truly been ghosted then by someone for four years and had no closure, no feedback whatsoever. Ever, but your friend got ghosted by a guy she met once, it kind of waters down your experience then, right? Totally. No, completely. I mean, uh, I have also gone through a few of these things. Um, I don't know what the oh, breadcrumbing is like when that when okay, let's let's do this. I really want to know you can you break down what these terms actually yes. mean? Sure. So you explained ghosting, which already blew my mind because I didn't know that that meant you should be in a full-blown relationship. Yes. 
everybody thinks that they mm-hmm. have been ghosted. So then I should feel as guilty because I felt like I've ghosted people. (laughs) And now I'm like, maybe I didn't. I didn't really ghost them because I wasn't in a relationship. You were a little inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm better. I mean, now I'm in a relationship. But before I was in a relationship, I got better. I used to then tell people, hey, I don't vibe with you. But I understood that it was coming out of my own anxiety and I didn't want to deal with it. Coming back to our last episode, I was... Let me get this right. Not nervous, not independent. I was, uh, who was the third one? Secure. No, no. There Connie. Was... Connie. Connie. Confused Connie. Was I confused Connie when I would ghost people? No, 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 no. It, it, each of those people can do the behavior. So right. it's not yeah. style. It's more that that's a description of a behavior. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. I dumbed it down too much. <laughs> um, okay, so tell us what is breadcrumbing? Breadcrumbing means I'm leaving you a trail of crumbs that lead to nowhere. So I text you many times. I meet you on a dating app. We text. I keep asking you. Um, and here's the other thing. It's called kind of like the talking phase, right? Where you you're in contact and you might presume we're in a relationship, but we never meet. So every time we get close to meeting, but it doesn't go anywhere. So the breadcrumbing is just a trail of crumbs that lead to nowhere, essentially. So you've been led on. And is, I mean, that sounds like it could be common. Like that sounds like a lot of people do go through that, but, but is there a spectrum of it where like people are taking it too seriously versus when they should actually take it seriously? Like maybe somebody saying that they're going to go on a first date with you, but it never happens. Like who cares? Fuck them. Exactly. And and that's not breadcrumbing. Isn't one of those um, really painful kinds of things, but I will tell you this. The other thing that I'm seeing in online dating a lot, um, I don't even know if I came up with the term or somebody else did, but we have like saturation principle. So let's say you meet somebody online. Okay. And you start texting with them. You start, and you even become almost like boyfriend, girlfriend, but you haven't met them. Okay. You've never met them. Right. And this goes on from like months and you have, what you've done successfully is you've met many of their social needs. So now if I meet you in person and we don't connect, I'm going to lose what I had with you. There's no urgency to meet you in person. You've saturated my desire to be in touch with someone. So that's a big no-no for women and men. I'm like, move it along. You don't have all the time in the world to be a pen pal. You don't, you're not, you don't need these, hey, beautiful texts. Listen, talk once or twice, move it along, meet in person, see what's there. You can't have a relationship on text. And is there sort of a, do you suggest a time frame for people to try to move that along because some people are a little like I'm a texter in the beginning, but not texter forever, but definitely like don't mind a few days texting on an app or on, on like getting somebody's number and then texting. And then within a week, like, all right, let's. Right. Let's- right. I mean, Natasha, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. Days are different than months or a long time. I mean, the real people like the, the Tinder swindlers out there, the people who then want to get you on WhatsApp and keep chatting with you. 
those are the people who are really maybe malicious or trying to look for something else. And they're not going to want to like meet you in person because they want you to feel like indebted to them. But here's the thing. 50% of the population, when you meet on an app, they want to go 50%. Let's meet now. Let's go. I want to see if there's chemistry. Don't waste my time. The other 50% need a little bit of softer. Okay. Some text, but days is very different than a huge investment. So I'm saying, don't saturate the person. You say, I'd love to continue that conversation in person. That's it. And why do you think people do that? Because I know you said we, we talked offline and you, you didn't watch Tinder Swindler yet, which, oh my gosh, no. you've got to. But uh, there were times where I was like, wait a minute, you didn't see the dude for months and it yeah. didn't set you off at all. Like you met him once, not when I, I said, I told you in the last episode, I used to do long distance relationships, but I knew those people. I had traveled. I met them. We, one was like a, you know, a, a part of my friend circle who just happened to live away. And so it was like, oh, if I don't see you, it's okay. But, but I knew you and I knew your family and, and all that. But these are people that like, didn't see this guy for months, period. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Who's going to put up with that? Someone who has low self-esteem, someone who doesn't believe that they're, that they might also be abandoned or rejected. And it, it feels a little bit good to you too. Like it's meeting some of my needs too. I can't pretend that it's just for them. So I'm going to be more likely to tolerate that or put up with it if I don't feel great about myself, or I fear that you're going to be disappointed in me when we meet. Right. If there's something about myself that I feel is uh, I'm just not feeling great about myself, then I'm going to be tolerating this relationship because I can hide too. Mm-hmm. What about this term gaslighting? Because oh that obviously yeah. becomes super famous. I think um, our former president also made it very famous, where I just felt all of Twitter was always being like, we're being gaslit. Um, what is it exactly so that people can identify it when they see it versus hearing from Absolutely. Bob Well, the original movie um, called Gaslight was a Hitchcock movie. And oh, it was a movie? It was a movie called Gaslight. And the character in the movie was trying to make his wife think she was crazy by changing the lights and they were lit with gas. And so she would, he would flicker the lights and she would go, what was that? And he'd go, what was what? That was the original term for gaslight to make someone think that they are going crazy by denying reality. Oh, that's where the term came from. And now we're using it too casually. So gaslighting means literally that and most often with a narcissist though that i say something and you deny my reality to make me think that i am going crazy but the key here is usually it happens to vulnerable people okay and so that woman was vulnerable already i think in the movie she was sick or something was happening and so he was capitalizing on that usually there's some kind of gain right like what am i going to gain by making you think that you're going crazy i'm going to be able to do more of what i want or something 
But it's very different than, you know, we have a fight and you say, no, that didn't happen. Gaslighting is a pattern. These are longstanding patterns of behaviors that are happening to really make the person feel like they're out of touch with reality. Yeah, I think uh, because I dated this guy once that um, I refer to on the podcast by a nickname. I give everybody a nickname. Um, His name was Bruce Lee because he was some four-time whatever judo guy. Dad was a disciple of Bruce Lee. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, he, uh, he, I felt really used to gaslight me, which was more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember the, the big one, the one that really set me off was like, we, he set me, he, he planned a date for a week. One was all, definitely the type of person we're going to go out. Never happened. We were, we're going to go out. Never happened. There was always an excuse it was, it was like, he wasn't, it was breadcrumbing, right. Leading you on like, yeah, we're, we're something, but we're nothing. We're something, but we're nothing. Um, wouldn't have sex with me, but kept telling everybody I'm in love with her. And I was like, this is so bizarre. But then I remember one day showing up to a bar and, uh, and he was there with another girl on a, uh, when he told me like, there was nobody else. And it was clearly a date. And it was somebody that I was seeing on his Instagram going like, Hey, you're hanging out with me, but there's this person. And again, he made me think that I was crazy. He was like, this is nothing. You're overreacting. I'm like, but she's posting pictures of you. What? And so that was one. But the other one was he actually planned a date for like a week. I took off work, whatever, planned to go. Um, last minute cancels and says, uh, something happened at work and they had to stay late. Okay. All right. I guess that sucks. Okay. Um, I go for dinner with my other friend and he's at the same restaurant, just hanging out with his brother at the bar and not, not, nothing going on. And like, it was a casual day. And I was like, what? So obviously I went up and I was like, oh, hey, he acted like nothing had just happened. And he was like, oh, hey, what's up? And I was like, "Um, weren't we supposed to hang out today? And he's like, what are you talking about? Literally made me feel like I was nuts. And I was like, yeah. And and I, I absolutely say that is the denial of the truth and then making it seem like it's you Um, Instead of just saying, yeah, you're right, I'm so sorry, I screwed up, or, oh, God, was that today? I can't believe I messed up, right? Just be normal. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there was some gain for him in you, him being right and you being wrong, right? Like, you have to look at, like, what's the undercurrent? If a normal average person every once in a while screws up, that's different. But if they continue and it's a perpetual pattern that they make you think that you have lost sense with reality, then that's a person you want to get away from. Oh, yeah. I mean, and yeah. what you said is so true. It's They prey on people who are in a state of weakness. And so I had just moved to L.A. I didn't have anybody. I had maybe like a friend or two. And we met within like sort of our first month. And I did kind of feel based on everything this person was saying, like, oh, there was something more there. And so 
I was very attached Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this person was making me think that they were attached, but clearly weren't. Um, and it was such a mind game until finally I was like, I'm good now. And I put a, you know, an arm's distance, but then that person started following me places and then acting like they weren't doing that. Wow. That's like, I mean, that does sound like a gaslight situation. Yeah. And I think, again, what I what I say in those circumstances, because the person could also, again, be narcissistic who's doing that, they could also be just a super anxious kind of person and they're really unaware. But where is that going to end? Right. Like, okay, whether we call it that term or not, it's like, I can't believe that that's satisfying. (laughs) I mean, that's horrible for you. You took time off. You he disrespected you. But, but you're so right. Like there are, there are those people that, and it is so hard for people to understand, you know, what is narcissism? What is, uh, being a sociopath? What are these things? Cause they're very different, right? People think narcissism and sociopathy are the same thing at all. And they're completely not, um, they can overlap. Certainly. And, and here's the thing, um, for, to be a true narcissist, in what's called the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, you have to have, you know, a predominant number of symptoms. Like there's also different kinds of narcissists. There's the malicious narcissist who is really like evil. Then there's like the covert narcissist who might be like a do-gooder, like I'm going to save the world, right? Then there's um, the person who uh, is kind of, again, the malignant narcissist, which is the worst, the covert narcissist. And now I'm blanking on the third one. Oh my gosh, I have a video on it. Um, Anyway, to be a true narcissistic personality disorder, that's like 1% of the population. Mm -hmm. And they lack empathy across all the board. All narcissists lack empathy. What happens is Narcissus was the Greek god who fell in love with his own image in the pond and then turned to stone. So these terms, I always like to go back to what's the origin of the term, right? A narcissist's person was based upon the Greek God. And they are in many ways, how a narcissist is born, essentially how they're made, I should say, not born. It's not genetic. They had a parent who was completely unavailable to them and they got no feedback about love. And usually their parent never modeled empathy. So they became like a cold, hard person. Then here's the kicker. They went to school and they got praised for something, usually performance. You're so smart. Look at you. You're so good. Or in sports, look at you. You're so talented. And they became good at something and that fed their ego. So most narcissists are usually pretty damn accomplished. Mm -hmm. There's something that they're like really good at because they got praise for that. But what they lack is the empathy. What they lack is the ability to be there because they don't know how to feel. They don't know how to walk a mile in your shoes. So that when you come to them and say, you hurt me, I'm like, I'm not a jerk. You must be crazy. So they deflect everything because they can't handle negative feedback because they're so fragile to begin with though they come across. And one of the best analogies I have for narcissists, I love the title of this book. It's called The Wizard of Oz and Other Narcissists. Think about it. 
I am like Oz, all knowing, but really I'm the little insecure man behind the curtain who is just a wreck because that's who the narcissist is. And when you pop their little bubble, right, they're just a shell of a person. Yes. I've had those two experiences. One was Bruce Lee. And then one people have heard a lot about, I I was in an actual abusive relationship um, and uh, full on, like, you know, physical, emotional, uh, all of it. And, um, and both of those people on the outside were very charming. Oh yes. You know, um, people loved them. Uh, they seemed kind of put together. They did well in their respective work. Um, Mm -hmm. but when you, dealt with them one-on-one in this specific type of relationship. I don't even think with their siblings and things like that, that did it come out. Then they would almost like be these little boys and be crumbling inside, especially if they got caught with the, with the abusive one, he was cheating on me. And so, you know, when he got caught, it was like tears and reducing down to being a child and, and, and begging you back. And, doing all these things and then right back to the same behavior. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Um, so, uh, it's, it's good to, it's good to be able to differentiate so that people can actually understand what they're dealing with. Cause what do you say to the people? Like, I think I hear from my friends a lot, like they've gone on a date with somebody and the guys or person is just talking a lot about themselves. Is that a narcissist? No. And so here's the thing. So if we go back to true narcissistic personality disorder, again, 1% of the population, because you have to have, again, the malicious sense that you have to really like do some bad things. Okay. So no wonder that's a low, but the range of narcissism is anywhere from 10 to 15%. I've heard it quoted as high as 60%. There is a range of narcissistic traits and we all have a little bit, there's even a scale, a narcissism scale. It's good to have a little bit of healthy narcissism, right? I talk about myself, I'm confident, I feel good about myself. But it's when it borders on that part then of not being empathic to other people that we run into problems, right? So then there's the person who you just said on a date is nervous. They're just talking a lot. You don't know, do they really have an inflated view of themselves or are they just talking because they're nervous? It takes a while to figure this out, but you get the sense truly with the narcissist that they're that you are just rotating around them. I feel it like the hair is on the back of my neck because they're not really listening. They're not really paying attention. They don't really care how you feel because no one modeled for them that kind of caring, so they don't know how to do that. And then, interesting enough, there's what we call narcissistic rage, When you go up against the narcissist, they can like disregard you. Like, who are you? Who the the hell are you? And you mentioned something else, which we should talk about too, is love bombing. Mm. Because when you said they're like a little kid and they're kind of trying to get you back. So love bombing is something that usually a narcissist do. And people use this term, another term, way too loosely. He love bombed me. He was just being a nice guy. He just bought you a gift for your birthday. Love bombing is something very different, okay? Love bombing is I bombard you with love and affection and gifts 
Why? Because I want to move our relationship along at a really fast pace so I don't have to handle any ambiguity from you, whether you approve of me or not. Yes. It's and a power move. Mm-hmm. It's a very much. So uh, this whole Kanye West, Kim Kardashian thing that's going on. Um, yes. Yes, the, yes, yes. The group chat that we're all in uh, has been very interesting because of course, having gone through sort of an actual abusive relationship, that's what got me into therapy. That's what I had to work through for years. It took me a long time to be able to label that I was being abused because you don't ever want to admit that that's what I was going through. Um, And uh, even the term assault, like those things I had to be like, oh, right, that happened to me. Mm -hmm. So when I see something like this Kanye Kim thing, you know, I recently posted about it and I, I, I might've, might've overstepped. You are the, the experts. So please correct me where, where I'm wrong. But I was like, this is kind of like an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. This is, um, somebody who is doing something in a public forum per specifically as a way to gain power and right. to, um, to manipulate and yes. to fear monger. Her, his his object the object of his affection kim kardashian to succumb to his will mm-hmm. yes he might want his family together but i'm sorry it takes two people to want to mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. two parents to want to be together mm-hmm. to be in a family not just because he wants it and some people got at me you know they were like how do you know he's being abusive i said cuz he's literally love bombing her in public with us he's just sending a truck full of roses to her house while she's in a relationship with somebody else and saying it as like i'm going to do all the things in my power to get her back and it's not once we're not watching, like you said, I think the key word to the, to what you said about a lot of this behavior is it's repetitive. It's not a one-time behavior. I'm talking about myself so much once. And and that's right. And the narcissist, um, and I gave an, I have an example, a personal example. So I met this guy, literally met him once for lunch, um, had a nice time, but then he was traveling and he sent me two dozen roses every day to my office for a week. And I was like, A, how did you get my address? Which is a little creepy, right? It's like, I didn't give you my address. But then of course I had to call him. So I'm like, be careful of the thorns and the roses. A, you don't even know if I like roses. So it's like, that's very presumptive, right? But ideally here was this guy and he was like a single dad, had two kids and traveled a lot. And all of a sudden, boom, I didn't know what the term was. This was a while ago. And I was in a relationship with him because I call him, right, to thank him for the roses because I have to be appreciative, right? And like suddenly we bypassed all the beginning phases of relationship and I'm, I'm suddenly like watching his children. And I'm like, how did that, I'm a psychologist, like how did that happen? But it was underlying, he wanted to move things along faster. And so the idea is I'll buy a gift, then I'll buy another gift, and then I'll buy more. And then like, what's wrong? My gift's not good enough. And underneath, the idea is that there was a power move by not having to go through the slow, steady pace or wondering, huh, is Diane dating anybody else? I want this. I'm going to go get that. And that's what Kanye is doing too. 
at some point, the love bombing worked for him. And so we think of it usually at the beginning phase of a relationship, but it can come at any phase when they come back and they think that worked once. I'm going to do that same behavior again. Yeah. Doesn't mean they've changed. (laughs) So true, because what happened with Kanye and Kim in the beginning, I used to work at MTV News. I was the Kardashian expert over there. He, you know, when, especially when he was courting her, he did these grand gestures at stadiums and even their engagement, he took out the staple, whatever it was, I think it was Staples Center or something like that. Some uh, stadium that he did to, you know, propose to her. So everything were, were these lavish gestures, even the he he emulated again by bringing a truck full of roses in their early days of dating. And I think in one of their first Valentine's Day, he did an entire floor of roses, poor roses, but <laughs> all these, all these roses dying for, for the Kardashian family. But, um, but th- that's what he did. So it's really interesting that you're saying like people like Kanye repeat the behavior okay. and, uh, and that's like the big thing for people to notice. They, they can't just meet somebody on one date and label them a thing That's right. Because here's the thing, the difference between just being nice and a nice gesture. I just did a whole series of posts on this. It's the intention underneath, right? If I do something because it makes you happy without an expectation of any return, then that's a nice gesture. But if I do it because I think I'm going to gain power over you, or you're going to love me, or you're going to then ignore my other shitty behavior because I'm doing it as like a guilt gift, right? If I buy her a pretty purse, then she won't, what, notice that I'm not available, you know, that she won't notice that I'm cheating on her. Like you have to look like what's underneath this behavior. And is this truly a gift for me because you think it's going to make me happy or does it make you look good? Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just doing that. Look at me. I'm, wow, I must love her. And we have to be careful because society, right? Movies like The Notebook, Pretty Woman, it all, you know, reinforces this. If a man really loves you, he'll do that. But where's the love bomb going? Like, I didn't know I was getting into a relationship sort of like without my consent in some ways because it happened so fast. It's like, wow. And then, of course, later I had to wake up and go, wow, I can't. That's not what I really wanted. And it really wasn't about me. Yeah. I mean, what you said you know, speaks to me so much. I ended up in that abusive relationship after four days of dating and everybody's like, how could this happen to you? I was like the guy I didn't even realize had moved himself into my place Mm -hmm. without moving himself into my place. You know, it was, it was insane. And, and again, it was a lot of love bombing and then disappearing on me for two weeks and then coming back and love bombing and then disappearing on me. And then I'd be like, Hey, where did you go? Somebody said they saw you here. Nope. Wasn't me. And you're like, but that you had it all. You had, that was was like the, the Holy grail of, (laughs) of abuse. Um, but it, I mean, literally got ghosted in a relationship. So I understand. Um, but it, it, uh, that again, I can say, now after working through things, okay, that was abuse. But what about the people who use, and I would love for you to help differentiate the terms toxic and abuse, 
and what really is a toxic relationship and what really is an abusive relationship, because you must hear this all the time, right? Oh my God, this person's toxic for me. So really interesting. I mean, it's so hard to, um, it's so hard to answer too, because uh, you you have to, this is a, one of those nuanced things. You do need more information. And when people give me little snippets, it's so hard to say what that is, right? Sure. But back to attachment styles for a minute. So let's say I'm the nervous type, the anxious attachment style, and I need a lot of attention and my guy's not giving it to me. I could say that's toxic. I can say like, he's being toxic. He's withdrawing. And that's like, so mean. I can't believe it. But someone else who is the same as the independent type, and they're both just being that way, they're like giving each other space. Like, it's also through the lens of who I am that I interpret that behavior. So it's very hard to label. Now, we should hold out as abuse physical abuse, emotional abuse, where you are physically in harm. If this is domestic violence, you have got to find an escape plan, get to a shelter. You've got to keep yourself safe. You are physically in harm, right? If you are emotionally being called names, being told that you're horrible, that you're nothing, that they're smaller and smaller, your life is getting smaller and you're becoming a shell of yourself, that's emotional abuse, right? Let's hold those out as those are horrible things. But toxicity can be so much based upon my interpretation of what I think you should be doing. And here's the problem. We use the golden rule, okay? So Natasha, what we say is, um, I wouldn't do that to you because if I'm a texter and I'm texting all the time and I leave you on read, I think to myself, that's so horrible that you did that to me. But they're not you. They're, so you have to use what I call the platinum rule, which is do unto others the way they want to be done unto, not the way you think they should be done unto. And in couples, that's the problem. You're using yourself as your own frame of reference. But someone who doesn't need a lot of contact, is it really toxic? Right? If you go after a guy and you say it's toxic because you didn't return my text and you hurt me, was that really hurt? I'm sorry. That was like your expectation that wasn't met. But you got to be careful. Because somebody else could perceive that as, oh, hey, they left me on red. They're letting me know that they got the message at least, right? you know, and then they'll get back to me when they do. And other people go, oh, my God, that person left me on red. I'm not going to they don't want to get back to me, but they want me to see that they saw my message and are purposely not getting back to me. So really, when it comes back to it, though, like if I were working with that person as a couple, it's like, well, what is the unmet need and how do you present it in such a way? I need to hear more from you. I need more consistent contact because otherwise I get anxious. Just call it what it is. But to say you're being toxic is like I'm picking a fight and I don't even know what that is. I haven't like labeled the behavior or what I want or how to fix it. Yeah, something I've I've learned to sort of tell my friends um, and, and something I had to differentiate for myself also was uh, two people might be toxic and I'm putting in air quotes, guys, because you can't see um, together, but doesn't mean they're a toxic person. That's right. Yes. Right? right. Like I have a, a girlfriend who recently um, got separated from her husband and 
you could see that the worst was being brought out of her specifically by this person. Yes. Yes. But now she's in another relationship and that just doesn't come out. And she's almost like a different person. And she would be like, he's toxic. And I was like, I think you guys were just toxic together, but neither of you might be toxic in general. It might just be how you two function together. Natasha, Natasha, that's a great um, differentiation. I would, I would absolutely say that it's got to be in context. So to label someone as toxic, there's no, by the way, in the DSM, there's no label for toxic behavior. We, we don't have that. It is, this is all contextual based upon, yes, she had unmet needs. She got upset with him. Now she's getting her needs met. She's not going to act like that. And that's where I always need to understand what envelope are we talking about? What specifically happened? Who wanted what? And so we have to be careful. That label toxic is used way too liberally. I'm not even sure what it is. But abuse is truly something that we do need to protect people from. We need to have words. We need to have a plan. We need to protect people from truly being used at the hands of other people. Yeah. And the reason I was like kind of putting my foot down about this Kanye being abusive thing was also because he literally threatened Pete Davidson publicly. And I was like, you don't threaten somebody's boyfriend publicly if you're not trying to coerce her into making a decision that would be based out of fear, which is, hey, you know what, Pete, maybe we just shouldn't because I don't want to. And what's so complicated about this too is his mental health exactly, being bipolar and not being medicated. And so we have to look at it from the lens of something even much bigger than that. But you're right. Anytime somebody is doing harassment, right? Usually one person is in a position of power and the other person um, has less power. And so this is a really complicated one for us to even understand that. But they're making lots of things public and it shouldn't be in the public domain. It should be private. Agreed, agreed. Um, You know, but but to change to to something a little more positive as we wrap out this episode, yes, so all these terms are being thrown. People have been clearly confused. So hopefully this has helped them to identify what the actual behavior is uh, and to, you know, take it easy a little bit. Um, what can people do to sort of get these things out of their head and approach dating, uh, in a more positive way, or how can they just be more successful in the dating process? Yeah. What I say to people is, listen, if it doesn't work with someone, understand why and label that correctly. I had some emotional needs that that person just couldn't meet. That doesn't make them a narcissist unless they truly were a narcissist, that, you know, maybe he's going to be great for someone else. He just wasn't good for me. And if we soften the the language a little bit, because my fear is that if you're going around worried, you're going to be gaslit, you're going to be um, ghosted, um, you're going to be loved bomb. How are you going to relax into love? You can't. And you don't even know what good behavior is. Also, another one is red flags, right? Everything's a red flag. And then we had those memes going around. You know, we're guilty of using okay. those memes. Also. Okay. And it was kind of funny. I posted yeah. some myself, but it's like, oh my God, everything is not a red flag. And and that's back to 
context, right? What might be a red flag for you is not a red flag for someone else. It's perfectly normal behavior. Clearly, there are abusive things that are red flags, no doubt. Okay. Totally. Someone who disrespects women, someone who is mean, harsh, that's one thing. But there's so many different little gradations, and there might be green flags, like good signs, like the guy's eager, okay? So I said, even in this idea of love bombing, what if he just likes you? And he can't contain it. He's just eager. Isn't that exciting? Don't you want a guy who's eager? Totally. Totally. I I agree with you. There are definitely things that people, um, we all think are red flags and they're not red flags. Um, It's just different personalities and different styles collide. And one person thinks it's a red flag and other things, that's just cute behavior. But I think the other thing too, um, we talk to too many other people besides the source, right? So you and I as friends, we could be chit-chatting about what we think this behavior is, but like Kim needs to go to Kanye and say, you're not respecting my relationship. This isn't cool. I'm sure she has already, but like go back to the person because what's behind this? What are you trying to do here? Let me understand this, you know? And let's talk together about this instead of everybody else trying to figure out your relationship. Because if you knew that the guy, again, was eager or excited, or I even say, well, how do you know he won't calm down? Maybe he came across a little bit too much from the beginning because he was just so excited. But here you go. What usually happens is, you know, he's the 1.0 version, right? And the woman catches up because he's like falls in love quicker because men do. Then by the time she's caught up, then she's like, well, where'd you go? And I'm like, well, now he's the 2.0 version. He's changed. But like you were telling him, calm down. And I'm like, let it ride. The beginning's fun. It should be fun. It should be exciting. You should be falling in love, feeling those dopamine hits of serotonin. It's like a fun thing. And you it's only have so one fun. beginning, you know? I think the one the thing that definitely um, gets to me a lot about how we all date now. And I, I know I used to be guilty of this and I've really, I, I worked at that change, which was you go on a date and it doesn't go well and forget even the label of like, it's this, it's that we just label them as bad. We're like, Oh, he was terrible. He was just a terrible person. And it's like, well, why was he a terrible person? I mean, Oh, he just like, ordered these three things on the menu. He didn't even consider that I would smell that bad breath. And oh, he's just a terrible. And you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make somebody a terrible person. Just probably means like they lacked a little judgment about maybe not choosing garlic in their, their date. What, you know, like something so frivolous people will, will, will all escalate it to they're a bad person and everybody's bad. And this is why I can't meet somebody because they're just bad people. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, am I making that up? Am I? Oh, no, 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 that? no. I hear this all the time. And I'm here. I'm right here with you because I didn't think that. Honestly, I would say there's a lot of good people out there. They're just not right for me. Like they were lovely. Um, the fact that they weren't a fit for me doesn't mean I have to denigrate them because we have to start. I mean, karma is is a tough thing. And maybe you've got super high walls up and you're just being super picky. Um, But if we soften the language and believe that there are good people out there, because there are, 
right? You know, 80% of people do want to have a relationship and fall in love. You know, you only have to weed through a few of those people who don't. But you have to say to yourself, it only takes one. And I'm here to just find that one. And the, you know, the more no's, I get closer to a yes. So why do I want to denigrate that person? Because they're going to be a perfectly fine partner for someone else, just not you. Completely. Um, I actually, you know, my boyfriend and I talk about this, that we actually really believe like even those players, even those people that we think don't want to find love are still the ones at a bar, they're at a club, they're at a party, and they might be wanting to hook up with you. But every guy, as much of a player as he acts like he is, hopes that that girl that he sleeps with is the one who changes his mind. That's right. Right. And so at the end of the day, I just truly don't even believe that there's nobody out there like, yeah, I mean, there are people who are content and that's one thing. Yeah, and I, I also think a lot of it's just timing, right? Mm-hmm. That that person is saying right now I'm focused on my career. I don't have it to give. I know myself well enough. And I, I do also think that we have to create buckets of places that are okay. Because here's what I think happened in 2012 is when Tinder came out 10 years ago. And the swipey app is what really created this gamified way of dating. And that's when people started to, this paradox of choice happened. People started to feel not special, right? Like I'm just a number. It's I'm going to get a bigger, better deal one swipe away. That's when actually the game changed in 2012. Having said that, why are you in the Tinder pool if that was what the pool was meant to be? Get out of that pool. Why are you at Tinder thinking you're actually going to convert somebody? It was meant to be a casual dating site. Why don't we keep that? Like let them have that and then have another serious dating site. But we're trying to like, again, work too hard and fix somebody and complicate it. It's like people should be able to have casual relationships somewhere. And, and I mean, what role do you think just being, um, you know, grounded in yourself, like knowing that you have enough to offer? Because like I said to you, you know, we, we talk about preferences. We all have our preferences. I'm five foot two and a half. And uh, and there are people who don't want short girls. And I'm completely fine with it. And I'm like, yep, like you will totally swipe past me. Uh, w- you know, I-, I look normal and w- I live in LA and there are tons of models on these dating apps. And I always like, I would go drive myself crazy if I was thinking about somebody like, oh, they're just going to up you know, upgrade with the, with a model. I'm like, if that's what they do, then I'll know that that person's not right for me and I'll find somebody else. Like it wouldn't even move that far. Cause they probably wouldn't even go for somebody like me, but I know that there are people who don't that's want right. that. And, uh, and those are the people that are right for me. That might be a smaller pool, but that's okay. I'm not looking to match with 7 billion people. That's exactly right too. Another healthy way of thinking about it too, is that, you know, there's standard deviations, right? Like plus or minus one standard deviation from the mean, if you're looking for average height or whatever. But if you do want someone who's like six feet or taller, know that they're only 15% of the population. Like it's just a smaller pool of people. Like, so whatever you want, whether it's intelligence or a particular trait, know that if that's rarer, it's going to be harder to find Mm -hmm. versus if you want something that's just 
I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way, but sort of average or more common, right? Then you're going to have easier time finding that. But people do, we all want to feel special. And you have to have a certain kind of resiliency to put yourself out there to not be the victim of these things. Let's leave those terms, again, ghosting, gaslighting, love bombing. Let's leave them for when they're appropriate so people who are truly being getting into a bad relationship, because the best thing, just by the way, with a narcissist even, you want to catch it quicker. If you can catch it quicker and you can escape that person, the damage will be much, much less. The minute you agree and you get into them and now you've given up your apartment and you're living there, now you're in trouble. So so true. it's all about prevention. So keep the terms out there, but make sure you use them. And if the person just doesn't work out for you, say, we wanted different things. We're, We're just different people. But it doesn't mean there's a whole pool of toxic people out there. It just means there's a pool of people that are different than you. And just not a fit. Not just not a fit. They're just not into you. She's not into you. You're not into them. It's all okay. (laughs) I love that because this is exactly what we're always trying to tell people. Like, it's okay. It's not, it's just like a, a jigsaw puzzle. And it's not like any piece is a bad piece. It's just not a fit. And we got to stop going like, this piece is a piece of shit. (laughs) Right. We keep working too hard. Again, I'm trying to convert somebody who's not ready. Well, maybe, and and that's the other problem too. You know, we we have these, um, I did a post on this, the exception versus the rule, right? We have all of these exceptions. Well, that one time that guy who said he didn't want to, but then he turned into it. Oh, you never know. And we have these stories and I'm like, but that's not the rule. That's not the rule that you convert a narcissist into a nice guy. It's not the rule. Don't so don't true. go for that. Go for what is <laughs> the rule. That's it's like it's like general. in uh, it's like in murder, right? People yeah. are. Uh, it's always the person you most suspect. It's never the person you least suspect. <laughs> and so people are really trying to go against the grain by like, oh, this narcissist, I can change him. No, right. no, 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 no. Don't bother. You're not that special. Really. <laughs> Not that powerful. That's right. Well, Dr. Diane, this is such a, so lovely to have you. Um, Thank you for shedding so much knowledge for us as I I really think is going to be helpful for people. Thank you. I love just clarifying these terms. It makes dating less scary. And I tell you when someone, you know, DMs me and asks me, I'm like, it sounds like you got a sweet boyfriend there. Don't worry. He's not love bombing you. Then they're like, oh, phew. I'm like, just relax and enjoy it. Oh, I love that advice. Thank you so, so much. And once again, how can everybody find you and, uh, and all your wonderful work? Back to Love Doc. I'm Dr. Diane Strakowski. Call me Diane. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Very little. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram and my website, backtolove.com. And you can take my love style quiz, get on my newsletter, check out my blogs. I've got courses for people. Um, I even have a course, How to Date with Intention, because oftentimes we get into very unconscious kind of dating. We get on an app. We just start swiping. You have no plan. You have no mission. You don't know how to do a good online profile. You don't know how to screen people. So my date with intention, I help people work through the process in a very conscious way to find love. Thank you so much again. And guys, we are going to have all these links in the description of this episode. So please make sure you follow Dr. Diane Strakowski and uh, 
follow us while you're at it. We're also on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Please tell a friend and rate and review this podcast wherever you get it. Also send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.